I think you'd all agree uh, that we live in a world obsessed by uh, words. I just want you to think about how we are inundated with information, news, emails, texts, tweets, blogs, Facebook, and so much more. Years ago, interestingly enough, there was a cultural book that hit the market uh, called Future Shock, uh, and the author, Alvin uh, Tolfer, talked about we were entering an age of information overload, and that's where the term came from. Matter of fact, he even had a term called infobesity, and he said, uh, we are entering a stage where there's going to be so much information coming, you're going to feel overwhelmed. He wrote that book again in the 70s. Now, he was not a prophet, but boy, did he ever hit that. Uh, with all of the news and information and honestly noise, it is pretty amazing. We all have this little thing most of us called uh, an iPhone. Uh, anybody ever heard of that? And we are so connected with the abundance of information that comes through our iPhone. Here's some remarkable statistics uh, that came out of the Her Harvard Business Review. Uh, the average person texts 35 times a day. Now, here's where it gets interesting. 60% of all Americans read email in the bathroom. 85, this one's really sad, 85% of all Americans take their laptops on vacations and do business. We are obsessed with information. We live in a world dominated by noise and words. But here's what I love about God. Uh, we know that words matter. I did a survey the other day, and I thought this was interesting. I look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 29, is this phrase, God said. Now, just think about that. We know words are important because from the very beginning, God spoke, and creation was a part of that speaking. We know how important words are if you follow through the Old Testament because the Old Testament words lead us to Jesus Christ. And you know the name Jesus comes out of the Old Testament name. Anybody want to guess? Joshua is a part of the name Jesus. And what I love about Joshua is he's a perfect example of a man who doesn't say a lot, but he makes his words matter. When he began his, I would call it a ministry, but more than that, when he, and we, he started his leadership after he followed Moses, he stood in front of the entire assembly, and in Joshua 1, 6 through 9, we find these words, Be strong and courageous, because he will lead these people. Be strong and very courageous. Now look at verse 9. I have, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then you fast forward to Joshua 24, 15, and once again, at the very end of his life, and from the entire assembly, you find these words. But for, as for me and my household, we will what? Serve the Lord. So here's a man who didn't speak a lot, but when he did, he made the words count. They mattered. There are people in your life, I guarantee, that you love and that you admire and they don't talk a lot. How many of you have somebody in your life that is really influential, but they just don't talk a lot? How many have somebody in your life that just talk too much? You don't have to raise your hand. Oh, boy, that was quick. Yeah. I just love quiet strength. I'm going to put Ron Pritchard on, on the, I'm embarrassed him this morning, but that's what I love about Ron. 
Ron doesn't say a lot, but when he talks, I mean, Michelle makes up, but will we, amen? No, I'm a, but what I love about Ron is when he talks, you just sit back and go, okay, I need to lean in. See, we need more people that we lean into because their words count and they matter. That's why this morning we're going to learn two timeless lessons from Jesus, speaking words motivated by love. Here's the first lesson. Jesus loved God's word. Uh, one of the scriptures that the kids quoted, which I love, John chapter 1, verses 1 and verse 14. Listen carefully. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And in verse 14, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word advent that we've been talking about, again, means arrival. And when Jesus arrived, he was the living word of God, now in flesh. And I want you to think about as these prophets began sharing about a Savior was coming, a Messiah was coming, and then there was this intertestinal period of nearly 600 years, and they were waiting for the Savior of mankind. They were waiting for the Word to actually become flesh. So when Jesus was born in that, uh, wasn't really a manger, it was really more of a cave, but when this little innocent child was born, what he carried with him was the Word. He would walk with us, he would share his life with us, he would take the black and white of God's Word, and he would make that Word come alive in color. Now, <clears throat> this is when you know you're getting old, it's when a bunch of guys get around and they start talking about the good old days. And I, I did when I was a kid. I said, I will never be that kind of guy. And I am that kind of guy. Okay, so I had a bunch of guys. And I want to see if some of you can relate to this. And we were talking, and it was Tony Hopkins. And he said, I know this is really going to be strange, but I remember the first time our family had a color TV. And I said, I can beat that. I remember exactly the first show we watched in Christmas 1971, when we got our first color TV. How many of you remember your first color TV? I want to see how old. Do we have anybody here? Good. We got a few old people in here. Okay. Now, here's what I remember. The Dallas Cowboys played the Minnesota Vikings. And the reason I remember that is I'm like, wow, look how purple those jerseys are. I was a pretty simple kid, you know. But you know what? There was something about color. Now, when you read about Jesus Christ walking on this earth, it's the color of the scriptures. All of a sudden, they didn't just hear about the love of God. The world got to actually see and experience the love of God. His words matter. And Jesus loved the word of God. He quoted 27 Old Testament books in his teachings. The disciples then who followed Jesus, there are 695 separate Old Testament passages. When Jesus was tempted, of all the things that he could have said, how did he reply to Satan all three times? It is written. The power of God's word. Now, you're going to hear more and more about this in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I shared this a few weeks ago. Here's the challenge coming in 2018. And it's going to be for all the campuses. We're going to launch the year out with a an intense week of prayer, so you're going to get a chance to hear about uh, how we're going to just encourage the entire church to get on their knees and pray for what God's got in mind in 2018. And then we're going to issue a 40-day uh, Bible reading challenge for everyone, kids, adults, everyone. And every day there'll be a scripture that you read, and then you'll have an opportunity to write 
what you think that means, and it's S-O-A-P. I've shared this, but here's the scripture. Here's what I've observed. Here's the application. Here's who God's laid on my heart to pray for. And I want to see what God does in that 40-day period as you just make that commitment. All of us make that commitment to actually get in the Word. And the reason we chose 40 days is uh, so many people, they start the year out and they're going, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. I'm going to read through the entire Bible. And what happens? By Groundhog's Day, you're like, I'm such a loser. You know, you get behind. So here's what I want to do. We want to simplify the process, but we want you to experience the living Word of God. Because this is what changes people. And that's what Jesus said when he taught. He's like, don't ever disconnect from the powerful word of God. And then here's what I love most about Jesus. Jesus loved to make his words count. Matthew 5, 37 says, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus made his words count. In your bulletin, I, I gave you what I call fun facts. Uh, my wife will tell you I am the king of worthless trivia. I just love uh, trivia. And uh, I was just researching. I thought, think about some of the greatest speeches of all time. And what you realize is that they were brief. And I, I believe that's why they stand out. Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and I got a chance to stand where they believe Lincoln delivered that speech. 210 words. Martin Luther King, the I Have a Dream speech, was uh, just shy of 1,700 words. It was only 17 minutes in length. Now, I know what all of you are thinking. If John would only preach 17 minutes every Sunday, that's your dream. And I get that, okay? Now, here's another one. The longest inaugural speech, William Henry Harrison 80, nearly 8,500 words. And I bet you people forgot 8,400 of those words. It isn't about how long we speak. The two shortest inaugural speeches, George Washington, 133 words. The second shortest actually was Abraham Lincoln. There's a reason those guys are on Rushmore. You know what I'm saying? You say what you mean. You mean what you say. You don't talk too much. You let your yes be yes and your no be no. Make your words count. Why do you think people leaned in so much to hear every word that Jesus said? Because he made every word count. And he spoke when he needed to speak, and he listened when he needed to listen. What, what a message for us. The most beloved of all Psalms, Psalms 23, 109 words. The Lord's Prayer, only 65 words. Make your words count. We make our words count because if we don't, we can actually crush people's spirits with our words. Or we can build people up with our words. This morning, I want to share something with you. I call this the, the tale of two receipts. And then I'm going to issue a challenge this morning. Here's the first receipt. Uh, this one makes me actually want to puke. But uh, here's a Christian. Uh, he calls himself Christian. Anyway, uh, you can picture this waitress. The fact that it's an 18% means that you had a, she was serving over eight people. And did you see what he wrote? I give the Lord 10%. Why would I give you 18? Really? If you're here this morning, please repent. I mean, I'm serious. What is wrong with you? Now, that individual probably thought, oh, that's cute. That's just a word. It doesn't mean anything. 
What do you think that did to that waiter or the waitress that afternoon? And let's say that waiter or waitress was not a Christ follower in any way. Do you think they walked away and said, you know what? I really want to be just like this person. I mean, come on. This is a side note, and I may have shared this, but uh, for years I taught an adjunct class, four or five years in Lincoln Christian. Now it's Lincoln Christian University. And uh, every year I would ask the same question because uh, I'd heard this, and it's a sad truth. I said, how many of you work in the, uh, uh, either in a restaurant or work in a department store of any kind? I'd always get a bunch of hands. I said, how many of you like working on Sundays? And they all laughed. They said, we hate working on Sundays. Anybody want to guess why they don't like working on Sundays? Because of the Christians that come to the restaurants on Sundays. Uh, their attitudes. And here's what they all say. They're not generous at all. Now, that's kind of sad. You know, we need to step up. All of us as believers need to step up and realize that every word matters. Even tips, you think, that doesn't matter. Yeah, everything we do matters. And then I heard about another tip. This one's interesting. His name was Aaron Collins, and actually he was battling cancer, and it was getting close to the end. And he said uh, to his family, he says, I really apologize. I've got to be honest with you. He said, because of this illness, there is no money left. I, I wanted to give you all something I can't because I have nothing to give. But would you do me a favor and give something on my behalf? And they said, sure. He said, I want you to go to our favorite pizza place. And I don't care who the waiter or waitress is, spontaneously give that person $500. That's all I want you to do for me. He had passed away, and the family said, that's just like him because he was always way over tipping, and we were always getting on him about that, that he wants us to do that for him. And so his brother uh, wrote a blog and put it on his Facebook uh, saying, hey, I, I'm so proud of my brother. I love him so much. We miss him so much. And he had this really strange request, and I just want to brag on my brother. All of a sudden, money started coming in. And they're like, please, take whatever comes in and give it away on behalf of your brother. So they started the first person. They went to their favorite pizza place, ordered it. Waitress comes out. He takes a stack, you know, uh, $50 bills times 10. He hands it to her and he said, uh, this isn't a joke. My brother had passed away, and he wanted me to give this to you. And uh, she said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, no, it's, it's for him, but we want to bless you. And, of course, she cried and uh, gave him a big hug. And the brother said, now here's where it's really getting crazy. $50,000 has come in. And every week our family sets aside two places. And we just randomly show up and we video every one of those encounters because it's a reminder of what we can do if we're just generous beyond belief. So this, this week, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, my wife used to be a waitress and I'd like you to give her $500. No, I'm just... <laughs> I do have... I seriously have three challenges for you this week. Are you ready? Three challenges. Number one, my guess is some of you are going to go shopping. And uh, I was... Uh, my wife and I were in Dollar General um, Friday night. Not a great scene. Not a lot of happy people in there. And... Uh, if you work in a department store, would you raise your hand right now? If you work in a department store so we know how to pray for you. Okay. 
There's a reason no, they're all in the department stores. Okay, so if you're at a department store, before you go in, would you just pray, Lord, I pray that I will be kind today. That whoever I encounter, the, the mother who's just cut me off, which by the way I had, if you have the mother who frantically cuts you off, the, the cashier who you can tell hasn't slept in several, Lord, just help me be kind. That's the first part of the challenge. Number two is if you go out and eat this week, would you remember that the people that are serving you, they don't want to be there. They're away from their families. And would you just remember that? Be kind. Be generous. Just be generous this week. And then here's the third thing. You're going to be with people that are a part of your family this week. And for some of you, that's awesome. And for some of you, you're already stressed out. I know that. Some of you are going to be going to one, two, three, four, who knows how many family get-togethers, and you're already starting to stress out. So here's my prayer for you. Remember to love, because you never know. A year ago at the Robertson reunion, uh, we were talking about this, how we were cutting up, and one year later, uh, my brother-in-law and my brother had passed away, and a year ago, neither one of them had a clue that cancer was in their world. We all know that life changes quickly. So this week, take your words, and let your words match your actions, and as you go out into this community, you be generous, you be kind, and you love. And the people maybe you haven't told that you loved in a long time, and guys, I'm especially talking to you, suck it up and tell them you love them. All right? Let me pray for you. God, we love you because of the way you speak. That you spoke words that every word mattered. And every word was then followed up with demonstrations of love. So Lord, help us to leave this place to be generous, to be kind, and to demonstrate your love. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.